Hello and welcome to the Owen Mitchell podcast, here to keep you up to date with the legal and financial news that matters to you. My name's Georgie Collins and this week I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague Marcus Collins, an IP partner at Owen Mitchell. It's turbulent times for businesses at the moment. They're trying their best to deal with the fallout of increasing costs of borrowing, the energy crisis, consumer pessimism and the general political uncertainty that faces us each day. As a business, preparing to overcome these challenges will be taking up huge amounts of your time and resource, but you shouldn't overlook protecting your brand and leveraging opportunities your intellectual property can bring in the process. During this podcast, and with the benefit of Marcus's insights, we're going to discuss the IP issues which could arise from an economic downturn. So just to start things off, and for those listeners who aren't familiar with the subject, Marcus, can you just give us an outline of what's meant by intellectual property rights? Yes, of course. So um, they're just in some ways like other forms of personal property uh, in as much as they are assets that you can buy and sell and use to stand as um, security. The only difference really is that they relate to things which are intangible. So they relate to people's ideas and inventiveness uh, rather than things they can necessarily touch and feel. So uh, classic examples would be, for example, uh, a patent, which is a a right in an invention or an inventive process, or a a trademark, which is a, a way of indicating the origin of goods and services through a, a particular sign, as we as we call it, which could be a word or words or various other things these days. Um, it could be copyright, which creates uh, protects perhaps more creative um, things such as artistic works or literary works or interestingly, things like computer software as a form of literary copyright. Uh, designs, so the way things look the the visual appeal if that's uh, uh, something that is uh, not being previously put into the public domain and is not perhaps um, uh, the result of the functionality of a of a particular object and then it can also include such things as databases Uh, there are various rights in databases that can be protected to protect the investment both in terms of money and skill in uh, compiling the database internet domain names, um, perhaps not traditionally a form of IP, but uh, something that has recently been recognised within the past couple of years by the courts um, in in England and Wales as being a a personal property right rather than just a right under a contract. And oh yes, of course, uh, confidential information um, which is uh, something that's not itself a traditional IP right, but something that can be protected uh, through contract. Thanks, Marcus. And IP rights are often referred to as sort of personal property rights. What, what does that mean uh, for a business in terms of what it can do with these intellectual property rights that it might have? Yes. Yeah, so as I said, uh, as as with other um, personal property uh, so, you know, traditionally you would think in terms of tangible properties, such things as, you know, your, your desk or your car or, or a book. Um, in the same way, uh, intellectual property rights uh, can be bought and sold. Uh, so they have uh, a transactional value, I suppose you would call it, in as much as they can be used to generate money through their uh, sale and exploitation. Um, and if they are valuable, they can also be used uh, to stand as a, a basis of security. Uh, to attract uh, I- investment and indeed for you know for some business if we take an extreme example someone like coca-cola the most Im- 
expensive and most valuable thing that they own is uh, the intellectual property in their name and possibly the uh, the recipe protected by confidential information in the the recipe i mean rumor has it that not one person knows the recipe for coca-cola it's kept by different people uh, but obviously much more of value than the plant and machinery and cash and bank that that company will own so at times of austerity um i'm with what we're facing at the moment in terms of our economy cost saving is likely to be at the forefront um, of businesses' minds um, and particularly in relation to intellectual property and where a business could look to make cost savings. Um, are there any tips that you could offer to those businesses in terms of the practical things they could do to, to save themselves some money? Yeah, so there are two, they're, they're two sides of the coin, aren't there, with the recession? There's the desire to save money and also perhaps the desire to um, maximize assets that you've already got um, and I think the starting point for either of those objectives is to make sure that you know what you've got in the store cupboard so uh, an IP audit would be a, a very good starting point just to assess exactly what it is that you own and then really to um, to it's, it's a bit like one of these um, uh, these businesses that sells off their uh, secondhand clothing and that sort of thing and repurposes it you could do a similar thing with your with your IP assets you might decide that there's some things that are uh, no longer of particular interest to you but might be of interest to somebody else so there's the opportunity perhaps to uh, sell those on in order to generate income for other parts of your business or for, for new uh, projects. Um, or alternatively, it might be that if something has not been uh, exploited for a long time, it doesn't have the same value that it once had. So, for example, if there's been a, a trademark that's not being used for uh, five uh, years, um, it, it could be vulnerable to revocation for non-use. So if you were to try and use that as a, a basis for infringement proceedings, uh, it could be revoked uh, as a counterclaim. So one might consider whether it's worth maintaining stuff that's now aged. Um, uh, and I suppose the other side of that is that uh, sometimes it's worth retaining things just for a, a psychological value. So even if you don't necessarily intend to rely on them, just having them on a on a register can sometimes deter a, a less robust copycat or less robust business um, who is interested in in doing something something similar. Uh, I mean, there's some very technical things as well that you might consider, um, such as, you know, in, in trademarks, it's possible to merge registration. So if you have rights which were acquired prior to 1994, it may be that you have lots of uh, registrations for the same mark, but in relation to different goods and services, and you could merge them into a single uh, registration, but uh, that could have disadvantages. Um, in as far as uh, although you have a, a saving on costs you might end up with a single registration in lots of classes which is uh, vulnerable to revocation in one one strike rather than having the risk shared across several registrations. It sounds like this is a, a, a good opportunity for a business if it if it hasn't recently already to to think about an I, some form of IP audit in terms of what it has um, what it's actually doing and whether its IP covers that, what it's costing the business and actually having a bit of vision of what might be coming up in the future. Um, we certainly saw within our number of clients who when faced with 
um, the lockdown of COVID, of how many of them, actually not just our clients, but but other other businesses diversified and took advantage of those circumstances. For example, taking their business into more of an online environment. Um, and there are opportunities, even even within the economic downturn, to to change tack uh, and diversify a business. Um, so in terms of looking at a, an IP audit, looking what the business has, what it covers, and also thinking about a, a strategy um, in terms of what happens if things go wrong. Um, so thinking about some sort of escalation procedure in relation to disputes, because Marcus, I think that's one of the things we frequently see um, with an economic downturn is that IP disputes tend to increase. Yeah, that, that that's right. I mean, it tends to be a feature generally. Um, it's it certainly in the in the legal world when there's any kind of recession or economic downturn. Rather than spending money on acquisition, there tends to be a mentality of fortifying, preserving, and relying on what one's got. So one tends to see an increase in in litigation. Um, that can arise through many things. It could perhaps be a, a, a result of a restructuring. Uh, it could be the result of people trying to get out of a, a bad bargaining position or a bad deal. Um, and also, unfortunately, it does tend to be the case that a perceived easy win for a business is simply to copy or, or ride on the bandwagon of other people's um, ideas rather than create something of their own. Uh, and there is the potential uh, for an increase in infringement and counterfeiting uh, arising in, in those circumstances. Um, it's also the case um, that uh, you, know, you, you might get a, a situation where a licensee is, is limited to a certain uh, volume of production perhaps overproduces and then is tempted to sell off overruns without uh, without uh, uh, permission to do so. Uh, and this is a sort of thing that one uh, sees increasingly um, more often in, in recessionary times. Um, and the ways to deal with that are perhaps to take a, a more proactive approach to uh, litigation strategy. Um, so the first thing to do would be uh, certainly to watch out for instances of potential infringement. Uh, so uh, it's such things as briefing sales staff going out into the market to be particularly particularly vigilant um, in the context of, of trademarks, having a, a good watching service for your core brands to identify people trying to uh, register uh, marks which are potentially conflicting with your with your brands is a, is, is a very advisable thing to do at, at, at any time, but particularly so during a recession. Uh, it may be that you might avail yourself of such things as the um, applications for action, which is a procedure that the customs, the HM Revenue and Customs offer, um, whereby the customs uh, can be briefed on potential uh, counterfeit or infringing goods coming into the country and they can uh, make arrangements to seize those uh, and offer the opportunity to um, uh, go to the courts to prevent their further distribution on the basis of um, IP rights. Yes, I think one of the um, other things that we tend to see in the realm of disputes um, which cover IP rights but slightly broader is often with potential contraction of businesses, movement of staff, 
um, and trying to get into a competitive environment, what we frequently see are often employees or consultants who leave set up in competition. Um, and the whole issues that that tends to throw up, um, particularly in this type of environment. Um, and in particular, often the one of the core sort of IT assets that, that tends to be uh, taken or misused in those situations are things around confidential information, database rights, customer lists, supplier lists, perhaps financial modelling type information. Um, one of the things we've often found is when a business is in the eye of the storm of dealing with that situation is actually understanding what it's got, who's had access to it, how did they get it, how can they track if it's gone. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's certainly something that one tends to see. So it's it's either um, you know what what often happens is you get a an employee who sees an opportunity to move elsewhere, perhaps set up their own business, uh, and as you say, takes confidential information in particular with them, particularly such things as client lists and customer lists and and that sort of thing. Um, and also, in order to make one self perhaps more attractive to a prospective new employer um, to give oneself a in a perceived unique selling proposition would be to come along with information that might be uh, uh, useful um, perhaps not realizing entirely the implications of this so it's a good opportunity to revisit such things as uh, employee contracts to make sure that there's sufficient protection for uh, confidential information um, and also to make sure that such things as your data protection policies are not only rigorously um, enforced, but also to make sure the staff are fully uh, aware of them. Yes, yeah, so just finishing off that piece, Marcus, I think um, in many of the cases that we've seen, which have often involved um, somebody taking a database of some form, um, whether it's uh, in electronic or paper form, um, one of the classics is to, you know, email people to tell them that you've moved. And uh, a very easy tip for businesses and, and for those listeners out there is, is seed your database. And by that, um, I mean, put details in there where um, it's somebody in your business, maybe with a personal email address, so that you're alerted to the fact when that database is used. Um, and you'll you'll get an email. Uh, we've had a number of clients who successfully use that um, to very little cost. And it was really very quite helpful evidence that the database had been used and taken. Yes, it's the sort of the, the trap entry of having some uh, like Father Crispus at your home address and you end up getting a, a mail shot to, 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 to him. Yes, it's, it's also a similar idea with software, isn't it, as well? Another good one is to put a, a, a random bit of code which has no functionality. And if that gets copied, then there's no logical explanation for it other than slavish, uh, slavish copying. So I mean, if we're thinking about various things that you can do, um, in in order to um, shore up your position, I mean, one of one of the things that is 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 important is to make sure that um, certainly your contractual arrangements with other parties um, foresee the prospect of one party becoming insolvent. Um, it's uh, often the case that, uh, and we've seen recently our, ourselves, um, where a new business 
purchases a distressed business uh, and then seeks to get out of obligations that the now demised business uh, had given to third parties uh, because there wasn't a proper transmission of undertakings uh, clause in the contract. So, for example, um, uh, there was a promise not to use a particular trademark in a certain way. Uh, and because the uh, party agreeing that um, had gone into liquidation and the liquidator then sold the assets concerned, IP assets concerned onto a new uh, party, that new party said because it wasn't a party to the original agreement, it was not bound by those obligations. Uh, and it's obviously important to make sure that one foresees that eventuality and make sure that there's suitable transmission of undertakings provisions and also to perhaps think creatively in those situations as well because there can be equitable remedies whereby someone's received a benefit under a contract uh, yet seeks not to uh, necessarily be subject to the burdens of it which they might not legally but they may be in equity. Um, also such things as uh, you know in, in licenses of IP rights you might uh, take particularly careful consideration of what happens if a party becomes insolvent and whether that uh, triggers certain termination provisions because part of insolvency means that the assets are distributed to perhaps an un unknown third party, potentially a competitor. Um, and that's something that uh, could be beyond your control and something that you would want to make sure doesn't happen or at least is uh, might occur in a controlled way. Thanks, Marcus. What's, um... Other considerations do you think clients need to think about in the context of um, their intellectual property rights relative to sort of restructuring? Um, obviously, that having had that sort of IP audit trail around what they own, who owns it, um, becomes really important. Um, and often one of the issues is, as you know, if you've highlighted about that situation, is businesses often don't own what they think they do. Yes, and this is often a, a, a problem generally that there can be a, a, an assignment or a transfer of intellectual property rights. Uh, and although legally the title has passed, um, sometimes the, the follow up diligence is not done, whereby the title is uh, the change of title is recorded at the uh, relevant uh, uh, intellectual property office. Uh, so records can be out of date. So it's important to make sure that chains of title are complete. Um, so that uh, uh, if it's necessary to sue or it's necessary to transfer on a piece of uh, intellectual property, uh, that everything is in the correct uh, ownership. Um, similarly, with restructuring, you can end up with assets being moved around within companies. Uh, one has to be careful of any tax implications that may have arising from where the royalties are now flowing within, a, within an organisation. Um, but also to make sure that if um, intellectual property rights are held by a particular company and then licensed within the group that the requisite intra-group licenses are in existence in writing not merely agreed upon verbally and ideally that those are also recorded at the uh, correct uh, registry and also to bear in mind that if you're dealing internationally it may be that um, you have to have certain specific considerations in your agreements as well such as quality control provisions are required by some countries as a mandatory uh, feature 
uh, and not all countries allow all licensing situations to take place because it may be thought that uh, the consumer might be deceived in some way so that the local intellectual property office has the right to refuse uh, recordal of a license and the effects of that are that you might not be able to um, uh, recover um, uh, a remedy in respect of a loss suffered by the, the licensee because the license itself was not uh, a, a valid one under the local under the local law. I mean other things to uh, be aware of is that if you do uh, take security over intellectual uh, property, if it's registered IP then it's often possible to record your security interests at the relevant intellectual property office and often this has the effect of creating a form of constructive notice so that uh, third parties are deemed to be aware of the security interest um, and that uh, if they are um, they can't hold free of it otherwise the position would be if there's no notice of an interest uh, then a purchaser uh, for value acquiring a uh, um, a conflicting interest could hold free of that particular interest. Um, there's some debate whether this is absolutely necessary because one might discover security interest by looking at a commercial register, but uh, it's always probably better to have a, a, a belt and braces approach to this sort of thing and, and do both. Just moving now to the potential situation of where in these times, you know, business wants to get out of a bad deal maybe that it's done or clients are considering trying to extract themselves from what now looks to be a bad commercial uh, position um, without acting in a way which is going to cause litigation for them or acting illegally in contravention of the, the contract. Sort of any thoughts or advice in relation to, to that position Marcus? Yeah so there are a couple of things that often occur. Um, very often particularly in, in, in licenses of IP rights, um, a party might try to engineer a situation which can be interpreted on its case as a material breach of the agreement. So um, to avoid that sort of thing occurring, it's a good idea to keep very accurate records of such things as royalty payments, check when parties are, are paying uh, their royalties, make sure that they're adhering to their terms of their agreement if there's quality control make sure that they produce samples when they're required to under the contract and just make sure that you do everything that you're supposed to be doing um, in line with your contractual obligations to prevent uh, some scurrilous party using that as a pretext to engineer uh, uh, what they would describe as a material breach and therefore trigger uh, the, the, uh, the withdrawal from the contract. Uh, and similarly, if you're on the other foot, if you've got the shoe on the other foot and you're trying to get out of a um, bad deal, you might also pay attention to how you terminate an agreement. Um, uh, it, it's well worth taking good legal advice on, on whether you should terminate in accordance with the agreement or whether you might, for example, rely on your common law rights of termination, because it may be that one has advantage over the other. And by terminating an agreement in accordance with the terms of an existing agreement may actually have the paradoxical effect of affirming it uh, and you end up being stuck with the situation which might be capable of remedy rather than relying on a, a common law uh, remedy instead. I think that brings us to a close. Thank you for your um, insights Marcus. I think one of the comments to to conclude on is that 
over the years we've well the number of recessions that we've seen research studies show that businesses that focus on innovation and ip tend to have higher growth and survival rates than non-ip based businesses so when economies tend to go south tangible assets such as your traditional fixed premises your offices your factories can often decline in value but ip on the hand, other hand i mean not totally recession proof but is often a buoyant asset that maintains its value even in tough economic times. And not just for biz big businesses, but, but small businesses too who understand the value of IP. So that's it for today. Um, thank you for listening to the Owen Mitchell podcast. If you found it interesting, um, then please do follow our channel and join us for our next episode. Have a great day.